Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, aging, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human at this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling, and I hope you enjoyed listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Hi, Moira. Thanks for coming on today. Good morning, Kelly. It's lovely to be with you today. <laughs> so um, we're going to have a chat about the inner child. What it, you know, what is it? People, we talk about inner child a lot and um, this is really like one of your sweet spots for your work is this work. And um, I guess this series of conversations that, I'm doing, as I told you, it's about um, how midlife can be really trans- transformational for us, women in particular, and how often a lot of us, you know, come into a place where we're really sort of giving the best of us um, to the world, our unique gifts to the world, and, you know, thinking about sort of that, we either call it the Marga stage or this sort of, you know, 50 to 70 time where a lot of us are really doing important work in terms of our contribution to society and community and sustainability and all those things. Yeah. So, so maybe have, can we have a chat about, you know, can tell everyone about you and your pathway to sort of doing this work and cause you and I met five, well, hang on, what year are we up to? Yeah. Five years ago on our course. Five years ago. Yeah. And, you know, that was really, that was really powerful for, for both of us and all the women that we studied with. It was an incredible initiation for all of us, but how that was experienced was so unique depending on the individual, wasn't it? Very much so. Um, yeah, I hear you. And I would say that we don't know when we live we don't know why something comes to us and often we question what we're doing and why and when it feels right it might not seem at that time as if it's on our trajectory yeah and what we're here to do but then as you as life gathers you up You know, all your experiences seem arbitrary. Um, And it's only when you reach a sort of point of convergence that you go, oh, it all makes Makes sense. sense. That's what it was all about. And this is the second time in a way that it's happened to me. Yeah, And and I I remember my daughter going, just having the heebie-jeebies that I had lived such an unplanned life (laughs) and yet retrospectively it looked as if I had had the neatest plan in the world and I had done everything according to some thought out agenda as opposed to (laughs) (laughs) allowing life to take me and Mm. the inner child work is is really it, it really is a convergence of everything that I've learned. Mm, mm. 
Um, and that, and there is something quite incredible about that because it makes it feel very, very right. Yeah. Because what one of the things that I give is I create a family. You know, I can create a family. I can create a tribe. Yeah, you can. And I also empower. Yeah. So I empower each of those members to be themselves. Mm. And I've done it time and time and time again. Yeah. And I give people an what I would call a different perspective or an upside down perspective that changes how they see. And once you have seen something differently, you can't put that seeing back in the box. Yeah. You know, you can't see the gifts that you had differently. You know, you might see the sore points in life and somebody says, but here are your gifts. Mm -hmm. and you hadn't seen that before and you're like oh my yes they are and then afterwards you can you always see the gift in that thing yeah it's like giving them a, a set of glasses that they see it differently isn't it and and once they yes. start seeing it they can't unsee it they're like oh yeah they can't unsee it yeah yeah, yeah. um I remember I was a swim teacher for a while and um I did um, six classes on a Sunday morning. Um, each class was half an hour and they were babies, parents with babies and mm. up to up to three years old. And I had the one-year-olds with me and the, all the one-year-olds would cling to their parents' mm -hmm. shirts. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the parent had to be hands-off and the parent would stand close to the edge and the child would spin round, get the edge and pull themselves out. Mm. And the parents struggled so hard not to hold their child, not to turn their child and put the child on the side. Mm -hmm. And, they, you know, they couldn't let go. They wanted, the parent wanted to control this process so much. And I would say, no. You can't. You mm -hmm. must let the child do it. And the water is such a powerful place to learn because the risk feels quite high. Mm -hmm. um, because it's not like crawling across the room. They're in water. But every single one of these babies could do this. Yeah. And their self Yeah. And their self-esteem went through the roof. Um, and then I had these two huge floats, huge floats that could take eight babies mm. on each float. Mm. Big, big floats. They could take a whole class on each float. And I put them right beside each other. And I got the babies to crawl from one to the other, which they could because it was like an island. Mm -mm. And then I separated the island just by a few inches. And the babies crawled across and they got their feet and hands wet as they went through but they still crawled across and then I separated it more and more so they had to leave one drop into the water turn around and climb onto the other and these babies were cock a hoop absolutely I mean they got onto the second float and they were jumping up and down with <laughs> 
incredible self-esteem. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and the parents, the, and they were mostly fathers because it was a Sunday morning and the mother laid in. Yeah, the dads always do swimming lessons, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all the dads and all the babies and me in the water. And, um, and, and, and the dads were, you know, like, they were all anxious around the edge because they didn't trust their babies. Mm. They didn't trust their babies to be able to do this. They didn't know how to 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 extend that trust. Mm. And they were also learning. They also learned how to trust themselves yeah. and their baby. And they couldn't. They couldn't do it because they couldn't trust themselves. Well, also, they possibly didn't receive that trust when they were babies, right? There's no way they received it because they didn't know how to give it. And we yeah. can only give what we have we received. Have, yeah. yeah. So I gave it to all, all those of them. parents. Yeah. And, I mean, nothing would be doing that when the mums came to get the babies out and dry that the babies, I mean, they had to show it to the mums. They had to show it to the mums. And they were there with their arms in the air, you know, woo-woo, um, <laughs> seeing what they'd done because they felt it in every single cell of their body. Yeah. And you you don't need to experience that hugely. You need one person who's going to trust you to feel that in the cells of your body. Yeah. And the parents and the, the babies felt it. And it was transformative for everybody. Yeah, I mean, really I'm just sort of thinking while you were talking, because we have that dive reflex, right? That when, when we, we go into what? water, the dive reflex, like humans have that, when you go into water, you like you automatically just close the mouth yes. and blow bubbles. Yes. But we don't kind of teach parents about that. But it reminded me of um, my dad telling me, because we, we grew up with a pool and I could swim underwater when I was two. Obviously, Australia is a bit different, right, because swimming's all like, oh, you need to learn how to swim here because we're just water everywhere. But I was asking him about how they learned to swim when they were young because they grew up on a farm. He said, oh, Dad just threw us in the channel. I was like, what? He said, kids can swim naturally. Don't you know that? Yes. And I'm like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But one of the interesting things about water is that I did teach the parents to do that. So we mm. would we would go, I would get them to just lower their mouth and then mm. lower the parents' nose in the water because they had to do it mm. in order for the for child. For the baby to, to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes the parent or the child would take in water yeah. and they would, because they would breathe wrong and they would take yeah, yeah. water and they would come up. And the parent would say to me, what do we do? What do we do? And I said, you comfort them. Yeah. And then you go back to the very beginning. You go yeah, back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the same with inner child work. Yeah. When we go back to the basics, when we go back to the, basics of nurturing ourselves absolutely because we've we've lived and we've had shock after shock we've wobbled our foundation and inner child work is going back to the basics 
it's establishing a foundation. Reinstating so all those processes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and we and and even as you do in a child work, for me, anybody on my course, if they get stuck on week three, go back to week one. <laughs> yeah. Go back to the basics, establish the basics again in your body build yourself up to coming forward again because yeah. that you know that is what happens we are on a healing journey we take a step forward we go too far so we come back to the basics and yeah it was the same for the swimming teaching and it was the same for a lot of the other um work that i did yeah um, i ran parenting classes for six years as well yeah so how's how has your midlife been transformational for you it's been amazing it there are things about being this age mm. that I could never ever have expected mm. All my life, I, I was only really fully understanding this these last few weeks in this terminology. Mm. So when I was born, my mother became dependent on me almost immediately. I remember being about five years old and having to go into shops to get refunds for her. Mm -hmm. And I used the expression that I carried her. And then mm. my younger sister was born and I carried her. Mm. And then I married somebody who I also carried because that was what I understood mm -hmm. as love. Mm -hmm. And when I reached 50, I was carrying four children of my own mm. and or raising four children. And then I had all these other people that I was carrying. And I had got slower and slower and slower because I couldn't do it. Mm. And I realized it was me mm -hmm. or them mm -hmm. and that I had to let them go. Mm. And it was a really... So when you say carrying, do you mean in your teaching roles, like when you're doing your parenting classes? No, and the I extra mean people? they were co emotionally carrying co them. Yeah, got it, got it. They were codependent on me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. And they would all bully me as well because when you're codependent on somebody... You will bully them because you want to keep. You want to keep them. You want yeah. to, them to stay carrying yeah. you. They're a crutch for you, aren't they? Yeah. So, um, I, when I got divorced, I had to let them go because I couldn't cope with it. Mm -hmm. um, so, I let go of being codependent, and one of the uh, of people being codependent on me. But also one of the other sides of that was that I had needed people to support me, mm -hmm. but I was also heavy because I was carrying all these people. Mm. So I was a really heavy person. And what I, what really happened was when you let go of all the people who are dependent on you, you no longer need to be dependent on anybody else. Yeah. So it frees up all your relationships Mm. And it allows you to merge, emerge through the middle of e or of either side of the people who are dependent on you and the people who you're dependent on, 
and you come through as yourself. Yeah. And we carry all these complicated, deeply embedded energies from our childhood mm. and they ripple in us and we pull away and we're pulled back by somebody else and we pull away and we're pulled back mm. but how much energy how much of our energy are they using mm. and when we don't have that dynamic gosh we almost float because we come floating through the surface without any of these energies in us they the people who are pulling on us and the people that we're pushing on and we that when that all goes you have energy for your creativity yeah for your joy for your passion yeah so much so, you have so much more life force energy yeah i can totally relate to what you're talking about because my late 40s probably from about 43 to 50 was definitely the same like just kept cutting out a lot of relationships where i yeah same thing and it was just just frees up so much space for you doesn't it yes yes and you know some of those relationships might come back mm. but they're not going to come back on the same terms mm. because you yourself have changed so i have found coming through my 50s to be incredibly optimistic mm. and for me i mean i I wrote my first novel when I was 48 and had it published um, in my early 50s. I wrote another novel five years ago. I have two more novels waiting to be published, um, uh, maybe three, actually. And, um, you know, I all that creativity to produce in a decade five novels mm. is, is a lot of creativity. Yeah. Um, before lockdown, I had art exhibited. Mm. I produced in 2019, I think. I got back heavily back into my art and created a huge body of art, really playing um, and engaging with life in a way I hadn't, I hadn't done before when mm. I was stuck in this draining energy dynamic mm. um, and and always looking to be loved mm. you know always imagining that being needed by a dependent was love which mm. it never was really mm. it, it doesn't mean that love wasn't there but that part of the dynamic wasn't love yeah well that was your that's such a beautiful il illustration of of what the inner child is too, right? Like it's yes. it's those wounded parts of us that, will you explain it? You know, you do it so beautifully. Because you and I both do inner child work, but you've created this brilliant course that you're on the verge I'm of. creating it. Yeah, yeah creating, creating it. You're in the, on the verge yeah. of, yeah, you're in creative mode. How do you explain yeah, I mean, the inner child? It, it, the, the inner child to me, is is the easiest way to understand and grasp the emotional stuck energy mm. in our nervous system mm -hmm. because that's essentially what it is mm. and those 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 stuck pieces so 
if the nervous system was roads coming up through your body, yeah, there are roads that you just don't go on. Yeah. Or if, if you have to go on, they they send your body going, oh, no, that's a blockage. <laughs> um, that's a blockage or that road's flooded. I'll have to go around. I can't go that way. You know, or there was a huge crash on that road. I don't want to go there. And we have all these stories and roads in our bodies mm. from what we were told we should be. Mm-hmm. What our parents were told we should be. And so the free roads are very few and far between. Mm. And we don't always step on them. And those roads are our true self. Mm. But our true self is told that it's not safe Mm. to be your true self. Mm -hmm. You know, how many children, for example, in lovely families, wanted to be actors or actresses or creatives, artists or writers? And they were told, oh, no, you can't be that because that's not safe. People who want to be that, they don't make it, whatever making it is. Mm. So even without going into a hugely traumatic story, you can live in a lovely, nice, supportive family who also stop you from living your dream before you've even started. They crush it. Yeah. And... um, and, you know, we're here to support each other. We're here to walk each other home, but we don't know how. And for the rest of our lives, those voices that tell us we can't, mm. we shouldn't, mm-hmm. it's not safe, mm-hmm. we won't belong if we do that, mm-hmm. those are the voices we adopt. Those are the voices we speak to ourselves with. That's our, yeah, I mean, that's our inner judgment, our inner critic, our, you know, inner, like, I just, I was laying in bed last night and, you know, I know the voice of my inner critic. It's been out a bit at the moment. I was like, oh, stop being mean to yourself. And, but I was thinking about, you know, a few of my clients that I've been working with and over the last couple of years and I thought, my God, like we're we're the toughest on ourselves, really, aren't we? Like we're we're so mean to ourselves, most of us. Yes, yes. I mean, I used to say when I was taking the mother and child classes, the parent and child classes, I would illustrate how mean they were to themselves, and I would say to them, um, you know, don't don't be so mean to yourself. Have compassion for yourself, mm. especially because. Being a mum is so big and doing a hospital run or anything. That's huge. It's huge. And I said to them, for example, I said, what would happen if we all went outside and everybody was playing on the playground, which is always, for some reason, school playgrounds are always rough cast, hard things that if you fall on, you get dirt in your knees and scratches mm-hmm. and it's sore. And I said, what would happen if I fell over? and was lying on the ground, fallen over, would you all come up to me and say to me, oh, you stupid idiot, why did you fall over? You know, what were you thinking? What were you doing? And 
And and these eight mums looked at me, <laughs> eyes wide. Every single one of them knew that that is what they would think about themselves, mm. but it is not what one single person would say to them. And they said, no, we wouldn't say that to you, Moira. We wouldn't. I said, I know you wouldn't. If I fell over, you would all come up to me and say, are you all right? Do you want to sit down? Can I get you a cup of tea? You would all look after me. Mm. And I said, and I want you to look after yourselves that way. Every time you fall over. Why is it so hard to- for us to be to show self-compassion? Because we weren't allowed it as children. Yeah. We weren't allowed it as children. Yeah. We weren't allowed to speak up. You know, don't answer back. Oh. You know, it's 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 everywhere. So to be able don't to cry, say to me, get up, you're okay. Don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about. You know, you're yeah. angry. Go and sit in the naughty corner. Remember that yes. super nanny lady, the naughty corner. Yes. Like, like oh, I was like, oh god, I can't believe that we that was on TV and that's yes, yes. It was it was a it was a whole it was a whole way of doing things. It was a whole way of doing things, and you know, I mean, I remember my own my own childhood, little bits of it. But you know, I remember that my mother never disciplined us. She had no authority, and she took no real responsibility. Mm. If we did anything wrong, she said, "Wait until your father comes home," mm. and then we would have hours waiting anxiously, and then my father would come home and discipline us. I mean, it was insane. My mm. my mother was a 1960s mother mm. who was forever a child yeah. herself. Yeah. Uh, luckily for me, my father wasn't. He was somebody that was fair and took responsibility. And he also encouraged me to be myself. Mm. Um I remember when he died thinking, what did my dad give me? Mm. What what did my dad give me? And I and I remember very clearly remembering that what he wanted for me was to fly. Mm. I want you to fly, Myron. I want you to live the best of who you are. So beautiful. And and it's an extraordinary thing to be. Mm. You only need one person in your life to give you that. Mm. And and I had more than one person because I had a second mother mm. and uh, she died this year in March. Mm-hmm. But she was forever beside me, ever beside me. Oh, she'd say to me, the best things come in little packages and that's just you. You know, you're a little <laughs> tiny thing. And, and, you know, what courage you show to go through life, what creativity. And 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 I had that from two people in my life, which is why I can hold it and give it to others. To others. Yeah. You can't give. Yeah. So what our inner child, you know, if you feel listening, is the part of us who were kind of stuck, um, who didn't receive that love and that safety and that sense of belonging. And approval. You know, who, and approval, approval. Who, who weren't allowed to just be our, ourselves, who weren't, who, you know, were. we've all got inner child parts of us, all of us, 
And mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, you know, we get a little arrested in our development. So those roadways that Moira was talking about kind of become paths of least resistance when we're stressed and they come out and, you know, there's nothing wrong with having inner child parts. It's just that we don't want them making decisions in our adult life. No, because we, for example, we don't want children in the bedroom. Yes. You know, if you go into, uh, I recently watched an amazing series on BBC two called couples therapy Mm. and it was a therapist coaching couples in real life mm-hmm. a psychotherapist and every single couple had to go back to what they were given as a child mm. every single adult in that room was coming into the relationship with needs wanting needs met from their childhood and not being able to see or communicate with their partner because they were blinded by these screaming needs inside themselves. Mm. And it would be lovely if I was to be able to say that they knew it, but they don't. Mm. We can't. Because it's such a blind spot. It's unconscious. Yeah. Yeah, it's unconscious. Um, But it's amazing as you get into the work that it starts to become uncovered. Yeah. The course is a beginning. You know, it's like, it's like, this is, this is, this is a process that can help you. Mm. And you go through the course once with the parts that you can find mm. that come up, that they come up for you when you're doing it. And then as you keep going through the years and years ahead, those parts will keep coming up Yeah, because new circumstances will arise in your life and you'll go this new situation where people are asking this that or the next thing of me has come up oh I can feel my inner child yeah oh, I can feel that anxiety coming up yeah yeah it is a really powerful simple and beautiful way to connect with the felt sense in the body to connect yeah. with everything that goes on in your body and everything that goes on in your mind yeah and to see whether it's your true self or whether it's coming from your wounded self yeah and if it's an, an ego driven strategy which you needed to survive as a little kid absolutely and that child needs approval for it's an adaptive strategy and it's perfect it was needed then However, we carry it forward into our adult relationships. Mm. And I would say it is the key cause of grief in adult relationships mm. that we 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 want these needs met. Mm. We and and uh, I mean it's not like we want them. We we just go in with the needs and that's what we unconsciously subconsciously expect to be met. to provide yeah yeah and we meet people who will trigger the same sensations in us as our parents did mm. so that we can feel the not getting it in order to try and get it yeah so then we're going at our partner and at our partner 
trying to get that need met. And when we can hold ourselves in that, when we're going into a conversation with our partner and we say to our partner, give me a minute, you step out the room, you find your inner child and you, you say, see. this is not a place for you. And you call upon your wise adult, mm. your divine goddess, your higher self, whatever you want to call it. You put your inner child somewhere safe and say, this isn't a place for you to be making this, this, these decisions. Mm. You're too little to be making these decisions. Mm -hmm. I've got you. Mm. We do have to build that trust. That, and that doesn't come easy, but mm. we have to start somewhere. Yeah, and a lot of it is um, is about, you mentioned the felt sense before. So, you know, that can using that language of sensation that you're yes. feeling in your body that's been driven by your nervous system because sensation is the language, our five senses, sense, our sensory experience is the language mm -hmm. of our feelings, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And it's through that language of the felt sense that you connect with your inner child, isn't it? Yes. Um, the inner child courses that I have taken, because, of course, I've taken some in order to be able to do it. I've, yeah. I, mean, I have a stack of books and I've taken two or three courses. And what I found interesting was that neither of them connected to the body. Yeah. And I don't think you can really move the needle on this unless you're going to connect to the sensation in your body. Uh, I completely agree because that yeah. the, that sensation will hijack you every time. Always. And if you cannot connect to it, then you don't even know why you're being hijacked. Yeah. You know, if, if our minds and our willpower could have changed our outcomes. They would have done it. All of us would be absolutely fine, but they would have done it. Yeah, but the mind cannot change it, or, or or it would have. I mean, it's obvious. The proof is everywhere. Yeah, we don't like something, but we can't change it. You know, if if every time you, as a child, were were summoned, we need to talk to you, and you know, you'd done something, you didn't know what you'd done wrong, and you started to feel a deep sinking feeling in your stomach. And you went forward, you know, you crawled to your parents and you felt terribly guilty. You didn't know why you felt guilty, but you felt guilty because you'd been summoned to be talked to. Yeah. How are you going to talk to your partner? Yeah. You know, if they say, let's We need to talk. talk. I know. You'll go straight into a like a constriction like you're going to that fight and flight energy and you'll feel the constriction in your body won't you yeah yeah and and that closes you down immediately yeah. you're closed down but if you say to your inner child are you there did you feel that did you feel frightened yeah. that you know our partner wants to speak to us and they go i did i yeah. really did I really, yeah. I really felt that fear and you say come on it's okay. Yeah. I'm going to take you and I'm going to give you a big hug now and I'm going to put you in this garden because you don't have to have this conversation with the partner. You you were frightened when we were little and we had it. Yeah. You don't have to have this now. 
and you call upon your wise adult. One of my clients called upon his wise adult, who was a stag, who was this amazing stag. And he got just over the left side, just above the left side of his heart, um, on his chest, he got a tattoo of two um, stag antlers, just just there. And so whenever he wanted to call on his wise adult, he just put his hand over his antler tattoo. And he breathed in and out of the tattoo, and he said, it's us. We've got this. Yeah, and he so tucked his inner child beautiful. behind him. He would come forward and speak from his wise adult. And he had never had a tattoo. He wasn't even a tattoo kind of person. Yes. It's <laughs> 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 an amazing thing, but something that the when we're just talking about the felt sense or something, it's intangible. But when we bring forth the image of our own child. And we have an image of our wise adult. It moves it from being intangible to Change. tangible. And that's so, so much easier to use. So mm. one of the first things we do is we we find your wise adult. And mm. another thing that I've discovered in other courses that I've seen is that somebody will say, oh, your wise adult is this and that and the next thing. Yeah, it's true. And I'm looking at things. There's no agency. There's no agency. Yeah, they're, they're prescriptive. Yeah. They're prescriptive. And they're what an adult operating in society should be. But that might not be your wise adult at all. Your yeah. wise adult, who your wise adult is. And yeah. um, they might be completely rebellious against all of that. Yeah. It, your wise adult is unique to you as is your wise child and uh, as is your wounded child and your magical child and neither of them are here to fulfill society's expectations of you because that is where the problem comes from yeah 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 i mean it's it's the it's the familial system and it's the cultural system as well of like this is what you should be and do and mm -hmm. you know and if you go into a course and it's telling you what it has to be, like it's just yes, repeating it's, that pattern. <laughs> it's just repeating that pattern. I mean, I was amazed and, and I'm even amazed when people say, well, your wounded child is this and your magical child is this. Well, we don't know what they are mm. because they're yours and only you can summon them. Mm. And they're not here to fit into a box. And and if there is a list of what a magical child might be, I would encourage you to scrub out anything your magical child is not. Yeah. Because your well, magical it, child... It's hard for people to connect when it's so prescriptive, isn't it, right? Because they look at it and go, yeah, not really. No, that doesn't really feel like me. It's hard for them to engage yeah, it's not really feel so much like me. I'm kind of not really like that or, you know, and all the cultural overtones that come with the creator of the program as well. And, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, 
it's got to be unique. It's got to be one person at a time. It's got mm. to be unique or or it's lost. And, you know, having run mother and baby classes, I've seen firsthand how, how, how parents unconsciously influence their children and mm. disempower them at a tiny age. So we had a treasure basket which had ordinary household tactile things in it. It would have a loofah, a metal spoon, a wooden spoon, a bit mm. of silk, a bit of velvet, um, a nail scrubby brush, you know, anything that you could find around the home. And we would get it out as a treat. And we would open this basket. We would say to these tiny babies who were... Some could just barely crawl on their bellies mm -hmm. to go to the basket. And the idea was that the baby made its way to the basket. The baby chose something, which they all did. And the adult asked the baby, what have you got? Oh, look, you've got a wooden spoon. And the baby might put it to its mouth because that's how they mm -hmm. feel and mm -hmm. know things by by I touching see. it with their mouth, yeah. yeah. And, um, I would get, I would bring in metal spoons for all the adults, and we would put them against our mouths, and they would say, "Oh, it really feels different against my mouth than in my hand." Mm. And they would feel how it felt to be the baby, and then they were only to comment on what the baby had, and this was a practice throughout the whole of what we did. Mm. Now, it seems so simple, and it's in the simple that the secrets are. Mm. Because if I didn't tell the parents what to do, every single parent would reach into that basket, mm. choose what they wanted, and hand it to their child. So one day, we were playing slightly different. We had a slightly different theme to the day. It was Christmas and we had these gift tags which had glitter on them. So they were red, green, blue. And a little boy chose a red one. And his mother took it from him and gave him a blue one. <laughs> and I said, we need to talk. <laughs> I said, I'm just going to tell you here. In one small move, you have taught your child not to trust their own choice. You have disempowered them from making good decisions as mm. themselves. And we don't know how to make good decisions as ourselves because we are disempowered from two years old, if not before. Yeah. I said, you have, is it is it you two have, when our will comes in, like that autonomous, that willpower? Doesn't that come in about two? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, but and so they yeah, pushing against some of it. Yeah. But these children were disempowered because you give them the blue one instead of the red one. You disempower them in their choices. So after that, they choose, but they're looking at you. Yeah. 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 And that's that's from that early and that simple a process. 
So if plays out for the rest of their life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, absolutely, seriously powerful. Mm. Um, And, you know, I mean, I saw mothers say to to 18-month little boys, man up, it's a baby. That that child is not a boy or a girl. That child is a baby Mm. at 18. Yeah, and it's amazing to, like, I just thinking about my own kids. They're so creative and their imagination is so wild when they're younger. I remember my eldest son when he was four. I mean, he was a really, really extroverted child. And just from a whole lot of stuff, he made this belt. And um, he used to wear it to kindergarten. And it was sort of, it wasn't a tool belt. It was kind of a tool belt, but it was like in his imaginary games that he used to play. And I had so many mothers come to me and go, where did you get that belt? Like their kid wanted the same belt. I'm like, oh, he just made it from a whole lot of stuff in the play box. You know, like there was a bit of bit of um, material, like, you know, the twine, like rope sort of material. And he'd use that and put clips in and a whole lot of other stuff. And he used to hang appliances off it and anyway, walk around and rah, rah. And I'd say, oh, no, he just made it himself. Happened all the time. Where'd you get that belt? They want the belt. Yeah. I'm like, oh, just give them a whole lot of crap and get them to make make one for themselves. Yes. And they'll come up with yes. some, you know, grand imaginary concept that works for them. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and they need enough of that. You know, there is, there is a balance. Nobody's going to be able to give that to a child all the time. Mm. But once you experience the freedom of creativity in yourselves, it can't truly be taken away. So, you know, being creative and getting in touch with your creative child and your body child as well, because children are rolling everywhere. Yeah. Their bodies just flow and roll. And we, we're we taught to keep our bodies very tight. Constricted, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember being taught in the age of skirts how to get out of a car, which was <laughs> to press your legs together, mm. swivel on the feet so that as you got out, your legs, your two legs came out at the same time, nicely pressed together. Mm. You couldn't swing one leg out and then the other. I mean, mm. we do do that now because we're mm-hmm. wearing jeans and stuff. But I was taught how to tidily get out of the car and how to keep my body mm. tidy, not not loose and running around. And and then we wonder why, you know, we can't relax in the bedroom. Well, we've got these very tidy bodies that have been controlled. Yeah, and, I mean, I always and, feel like people, they've got a ruler in their back and along yeah. their spine and they can't move outside the parameters of that ruler. Yeah. And when they bust up the ruler, like it's like even, oh, is it safe for me to do this? Is it, you know, the they feel it in their nervous system. Even like I'm not talking about like, you know, connecting with, well, you and I believe all emotions are fabulous, but negative emotions that society would say because I think anger is amazing. But even for people to feel like joy, they're like, can I, like is it, it hitting their upper limits? on what yes. their nervous system can handle and yes. just helping so them to the expand that. Again. Yeah. So, so yes. So I would talk about what the inner child can handle. So mm. the inner child has kept itself rigid 
because it's frightened. You know, it, that, that that rigid nervous system is the little boy going, mm. if Can I, I go step the line. to the left, yeah, if I choose the red instead of the blue, uh, will I be, Will you know, who, what will anybody say? Yeah. Yeah. So that that nervous system is your is your inner child. And totally. The inner child is such a super metaphor because it's so easy to connect. Yeah, so it's easy. It's so easy to connect, and because it's so easy to connect to, you know, this because we're set by the time we're seven. All these things are in us by the time we're seven. So when we're connecting to that part of ourselves. We it's it is such a simple and straightforward way into the nervous system healing. Mm. It's mm. really beautiful because you can go back and you can start to empower that person with little things and a lot of laughter because children love to laugh as well. Mm. Um, they love you know like I mean I would just take mine my four by surprise all the time and. Um, nothing delighted me more than them laughing suddenly breaking out in laughter because something had happened you know mum had been funny you know when when they were when I just had three before I had the fourth um I would say to them when they were eating their dinner and they were little children I'd say if you if you eat well you know if you eat well which is probably conditioning but still that's it if you eat well I will cartwheel down the hall for you. <laughs> and um, and they would go, oh, you know, uh, because there is a thing about mums not letting themselves go. Mums don't let themselves go. Yeah, I mums- remember um, a few years back, I, I used to ride everywhere when I was younger. And then because I had a pelvis injury from birth, I didn't ride for quite a few years. And then I decided to buy myself a new bike about seven or eight years ago and I got on the bike and started riding and my older son was like oh my god you can ride a bike yes. <laughs> I went, yeah it's like oh this is so yeah. cool I said oh yeah I used to yeah. ride all the time but I hurt my pelvis when I was giving birth to you so yeah and bikes yeah. are not so comfortable when you've got a sore pelvis <laughs> no but but children don't see mothers no often up to antics and you know, um, so to 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 do that, I would I would cartwheel down the hall. Now, I I get not everybody is cartwheeling at thirty eight um, <laughs> or forty, um, <laughs> um, but but you know, and and it was the same when they had tantrums. So yeah, I had I had the twins, and I remember this neighbor helping me in with the shopping because I had I had two I had twins, and I was pregnant. And, uh, and I was carrying all the shopping in and we got into the house and the twins went through the door and they hit the floor having full-on cartoon tantrums. I mean, they weren't cartoon, <laughs> they were ones, but both of them Lost throwing it. themselves against the floor, arms and fists, legs going, hitting the floor, kicking. And my neighbour looked at me and went, what do you do? And I said, you go home and thank you and you leave it to me. And I would go in when they were tantruming and I would stand on my head 
I would go into the place where they were tantruming. I would stand on my head. I would cover myself in a blanket. I would go and get bedding and lie down and sleep beside them. Mm. And I would just let them do what they were doing. And I would do something. Or I would go and get apples and a chocolate dip and sit and eat and just be with them. Mm. And they couldn't tantrum. They couldn't tantrum. No, they, they stuck pretty quickly, and don't they? And they're like, what are you, like, looking at you going, what are you doing? <laughs> what, what are you doing? What's mum doing now? You know, what's mum doing now? So I wouldn't leave them. I wouldn't leave them and just neglect them. But mm. I would do something that made me more interesting than whatever mm. was going on with them. And, um, and, and it was, you know, it was a great move. Um, and, and I think that maybe the neighbour could have stayed and seen me stand on my head, go into the hall and do it. But, but I think, you know, <laughs> the point that you're making is like you were there with them, like you were attuned to them. And I think, I mean, you and I were talking about this before. A lot of our inner child stuff is from lack of attunement from our parents or you know, lack of connection or their inability to hop, have capacity to hold us, you know, mm-hmm. when we were in some emotional space. And, and you know, not that we're blaming parents because they did the best they could with the skills that they had, right? So yes. they didn't learn it when I mean, they were younger. They didn't have it when they I'm, were younger. And blame you, is useless. Blame is useless and, um, you know, there's so much now in the trauma world. You know, we think about all the systems that we're involved in, like the you know, the broader systemic, the culture, like it all impacts, right? And, yeah, just to be able to kind of have some compassion for them and what they were dealing with in the context of their life, the roles that they took up, the, the societal yes. expectations of them, right? Yes. And, you know, it's only really since you had kids really and and, and myself that dads have played that active role of nurturers in a lot of family system because when we grew up, that wasn't expected of them. No, except my dad was a major nurturer. Yeah, he Uh, was, but it wasn't expected of any of them. No, but, I mean, I remember my dad um, would do bath time and he taught us how to clean ourselves, how to dry ourselves. Mm. Um, He did story time as well, so he must have done the whole of bedtime. And he read to us and he also directed my reading i remember being about 11 having read i would read a book a day mm. and i would just um consume books and they were all pony books or boarding school stories or you know <laughs> there was a theme and i would read everything by one author who had yeah. you know 80 books and yeah. on pony stories and, and then the others and and I wanted a new book, and he said, "No, I'm not. I'm not buying you another <laughs> book for you to, to to eat like a crisp and gone." And uh, you're like so me. My, my parents used to say, "You eat books for breakfast." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, Go to the library uh, and borrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and this he was buying me a book, so he bought me a book by Giovanni Giuseppe called "The Little World of Don Camillo." Mm-hmm. And it was a fantastic book. It was about a communist mayor and a religious priest, both built like, um, you know, bricks. 
um, in the foothills of the Italian Alps, where they would fight and argue about God and um, the meaning of life. And um, I, I, I remember reading that, which was actually a very deeply philosophical <laughs> book in terms of a story <laughs> when I was 11. And and then I was into adult reading. Yeah. And my dad my dad was okay. Um I think I read Lord of the Rings at twelve and War and Peace at fifteen. <laughs> but but you know, he he was always encouraging me forward yeah. and on. Yeah. Yeah. Without yeah. pushing. Yeah. Um and, what a and great I think dad. That that's yeah, yeah. Um so so there was that. So I I did have a dad who was nurturing and I had a mum who cooked in the kitchen and stuff like that. And um I learned to cook and make cakes and things things like that. Mum mm. wasn't as she hadn't come from the kind of background where you would think about expanding somebody's mind. Yeah. But my dad was definitely there for that. And and I think that's why, in spite of all the things I've been through and all the the what you might call negatives or challenges of having people codependent on me, I can still hold people yeah. because I was so well held at the yeah. same time. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and you can't live. Yeah, life is full of challenges. Like you know, there's a, a former Australian Prime Minister, Malcolm Fraser, and. His big, his big saying was, "Life was never meant to be easy." Do you know, no. like it's it's actually really hard and it's challenging and yeah, it's not supposed to be easy breezy. You know, but it does become easier. I think. I absolutely believe that once you connect to these parts, you stop identifying. Oh, I completely agree. Pain. So the pain is from the two people inside you, your true self, the still, small voice, that beautiful, beautiful golden echo of you inside you, wanting to be heard Mm. against the barrage, the wall of everything that you're supposed to be mm. in order to stay safe, in order to fulfill expectations, in order to do this, that, or the next thing, to live um, a normal middle-class life. And at this point in time, at this point in time, what we have been taught is that the way to be safe in the world was to play that game Mm. and it is no longer true Mm. it is no longer true the truth is that to be safe we have to take the risk of coming in to that still small voice of our truth because only when we take that risk of giving away everything that we were told we had to be and we come into being ourselves Will we attract the right people, the right places, the right experiences to mm. us? The, 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 it is not safe not to take that risk. It's 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 
twisted around now. The way to be yourself is the safest way to be. There Absolutely. is no safe way through this world other than as yourself. And it's hard because it's much better if we give it to our babies. And I would urge anybody who's got a baby to do this work on themselves now. Yeah. So they can give it to their babies. Babies. Or younger. Do it before you have kids. <laughs> because it yeah, gets yeah, because but- it gets triggered, right? It gets, you know, like all our unmet needs come up at with our kids at the same age, right? So yes. we're yeah. like it just it does, doesn't it? It comes up and whether it's in a child or in a teenager or it will come yes. up. It, yeah, it we will, will come be up. confronted. So, yes, it's never too late to do never it. It's never too late. And when you change your vibration, you, because it's an, it's a you know that still small voice is mm. your own unique musical note. Bing. Mm. And when we're sending out, when it's surrounded by this wall of shoulds and expectations, it's not a pure note. It kind of is singing inside you, your pure note. Then it has to go through this layer of expectations, shoulds, and how to be. Mm. And that warps the note. Mm. So you're sending out an unclear, untrue note. And you're attracting things to you that are responding to that unclear note. Now, when the, the the work is truly for babies to be raised as themselves, yeah, um, as the work that I was doing as a as a leader in these groups, but there is no point when it's too late to do it. You can do it before you have a child. You can do it after you have a child. When you can do it at any time. Yes, but but if we can do it, the younger we can catch people. Yeah, the more definitely. we have a generation of people who are living as themselves, and that yeah. is acceptable. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that is, that, like I say, you know, to me, that is freedom and liberation. Do you know, being yes. able to be a true self, that's, that's, yes. that is the real freedom. And yeah. and, and that's, and it does and get easier. Like, you yeah. know, I look at, my relationship now, like I've, I've basically spent my 40s deep in sort of learning and therapeutic work. I mean, I've just studied the whole time since I finished uni. But this last 10 years, I just think, God, it's so much easier now. You know, they've done all that, both done all that deep healing work and conversations yes. are easy and we can talk about stuff easily. We still get triggered, but we can have that compassion for ourselves. Like it's so much better and so much easier. Yes. yes. And, and, even, and allow people space. Yeah. And even to say to somebody, do you need, we need to talk, do you need to sort out your inner child first? Yeah. I'm just going to go and keep that yeah. mine and try and come to you in a clear space and be supportive of the process with each yeah, other. Yeah. Because- or, you know, be able to say, like I did, do you think you might be projecting onto me? You know? <laughs> Yeah, we had to think about the that, but not that not in an thing, aggressive way. Like, do you know, like I get what you're saying, but yeah, do you think you yeah, might be projecting? The thing is that we long, oh my gosh, for most of us, our heart's desire is to be able to communicate with mm. another person, mm. and 
your inner child has no interest in communicating with another person. It has no interest in intimacy. It wants its needs met. Mm. And if you go to your partner to get its needs met, you destroy the line of communication. Yeah. So you have to give your inner child all the needs that the it love wants. and attention, compassion, yes. kindness. It's only you can give it to yourself. Only you can give it to yourself. And when you give it to yourself, you can have a clear line of understanding, communication with another person. And then, then, oh, what a revolution inside you because you can feel yourself singing. Yeah. And you can feel your partner singing. Yeah. Because you both are. Yeah. No, it is, it is. you know, it's the beautiful deep work and it's not just your intimate relationship. It's all the relationships in your life and you find yourself not getting triggered by as much or you feel the trigger but you have more capacity in your nervous system to just be with it and go, ah, oh, yes. mm, there it is, okay, can yes. see it myself, rather than just going off tap and reacting and yeah. being in, yes. yeah. So you, so I say to my really- clients, you move from reaction to creating the outcomes that you want. Yes. Yeah, you move from the pendulum swing of action, reaction, Action, reaction, mm. um, and then you know somebody does something, you react, and then you act, and then they swing back and forth, and you're in this hell, really. Mm. Um, and and you you learn to hold the feeling inside you, to hold that inner child mm. peace with love, which means that you're not going to react. You are going to have a chance to come into your wise adult before you go whoa that was such a trigger I was ready to you know emotionally punch them send out um anger and um hurt in their or or just shut shut down just shut down and just roll up into a metaphorical ball and not be able to like have a conversation so it is it is it is life-changing the thing that I would say the last thing that I would say is that when you do this work, you do become a child in a great many ways mm. because you're learning a new way how to live in yourself. And when you're learning a new way how to be and how to do everything, it's like every single thing is taking a new way of being. Yeah, You have to pause through everything. So you are in the very basic the beginning learning stage of being and you can feel clunky and awkward yeah. because what's autopilot wasn't serving you yeah and you're you're like if you were american you're going from a, an automatic car to a manual car yeah um, <laughs> yeah uh, um, i only drive a manual car so i don't quite know what i would do with that but you know you are you are learning how to be in your own skin again. And so even entering into it, even entering into the work, you must come with a sense that I'm coming at this with compassion for myself. Yeah, Because I want to change these patterns because they're not serving me. And I just want to be myself. I hear that a lot. A lot of people are like, I just want to be myself. I think the other thing that I've, 
noticed, and I've certainly experienced it, is when we do this deep work, because our body, like our, our nervous system, our muscles, like it's all wired, every experience of our life is wired into our into our bodies and, and our, our neurobiology is that it takes a lot of energy to hold these positions, like this inner child stuff. And so when we start to release it, we can be really tired for quite some time and we we really do yes. have to give ourselves that kindness and compassion to just rest and integrate, don't we? Yes, yes. And then we have the energy for our own lives. Yeah. But there's Once times time that. of tiredness. There is definitely times of tiredness and and rest and integration required, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. But but then you get your own life back. Then you get the I want to be me, I am me. Yeah. And that is amazing. Yeah. Hey Moira, um, so when is your course going to be starting? Do you know? Um, I'm hoping for the end of September, but yeah. that might be a little bit ambitious because I, um, I, I'm not pushing my own inner child to do this in a kind of way that is going to stress her in any shape yeah. or form. Yeah. So my own inner child will produce this. I am capable of huge acts of creation and productivity yeah. yeah when suddenly it all drops into place uh, i i wrote a sixty thousand word novel in a month once so it it might all suddenly go bam and then the, the creative ready. muse will come in yes and off you go. yes yes i have i have booked a recording studio on the 18th um, of september so i will need to have all my practices ready to go for each section clear by then um and that deadline sort of suits me as well yeah, otherwise yeah. i could my inner child could drift quite a lot of time she's a big <laughs> she's a daydreamer par excellence yes. <laughs> oh i love that yeah mine's a bit of a creative nutter too goes a bit a well yeah. <laughs> how can people find you so your instagram is Moira Coach, isn't it? Moira Duck Coach, is that right? No. Um, it used to be, and then that one got hacked. Oh, what's your new I... one? Oh, good question. Don't um, worry, we'll put it in the show notes. My my Facebook is Moira KC. Yeah. And um, and I have a link tree there with links to everything uh, where you can find me, where you can buy my books. Um both adult and children's books. Um, we'll put your contact probably... details in the notes. Yes. That sounds like a good plan. Thank you. Thanks for Thank telling so all about the inner child. The yeah. best work well, there is. The best work there is. The foundational work. Once you've got your inner child, you can go and do... Oh, outrageous so many courses or whatever else you want yeah but without the inner child you're just re-triggering yourself you need that foundation yeah absolutely I agree with you like so much it's just all that foundational stuff that you know we didn't get in the first place so we've just got to go back to like you kept saying go back to the start rebuild that neurobiology yes. yeah yes all righty thank you
Thank you very much. Thank you so much for inviting me.